Well, thanks, worship team, and good morning. Happy New Year to you. If we haven't met before, my name's Rob Jacobson, and I am so excited for the new year, and you are too if you love New Year's, because I know some of you do, because some of you out there are these people who feed off that energy from everyone moving in the same direction as this new year approaches, and they all like to watch the ball drop from... Times Square, and they love to just gaze at the intricate ornament and fire or parade stuff on New Year's Day parades that they have to watch or even go to because you love New Year's. You love the resolutions too because there's this newness and this hope of people that say, Oh, I want to live healthier. I want to lose. It's usually lose weight. Come on, it's been that way for years and years. You know, I, I turned on the TV to watch some New Year's Day parade, and all I could see was just like, oh, this is the new way to lose weight. This is the new way to lose I'm like, wow, I, I, okay, this is the, what we do. We lose weight. We, but we also do more things than lose weight. We pray more, or we make, say we want to pray more. We say we want to read more. We say we want to eat better. And, and we want to h- spend time with people, like real people, not just our virtual world, not against the virtual world, but, but real people. See, this is what happens. And and they believe, like these people that love New Year's resolutions believe, honestly, if they can just spend three or four weeks making a new pattern in their life, that then this new beginning is set, and it's pretty neat if it works. Problem is that three or four months later, not too many of those people who've made those New Year's resolutions have them continuing. And, and then it slides down this spectrum to the people who avoid New Year's and avoid New Year's resolutions. Because these people, they, they despise the crowds all mimicking each other, not thinking, w- with, like, not thinking themselves and think that it's kind of crazy to just watch this little electronic ball descend, what, 12 inches or whatever it is? It's some small number, but... But they become kind of jaded, these people that avoid New Year's resolutions. They become jaded because they see the same people wishing for the same things that they did last year and probably the year before that. And it's almost like these idealistic hopes. They're these people that are on these stationary bikes hoping that if they just pedal faster, they'll get to this ideal destination. And you're like, I do not want to be those people. So then New Year's comes around, if you're one of these people, and it just reappears as this reminder that life keeps moving, that the universe isn't static, that another year's going to come by, and it's another year to, to try something, but, but we look as foolish as these people on bikes. And, and you kind of might smile to yourself at that, because you know the universe keeps moving, and you know the people on the stationary bikes look silly, but you're the one who feels kind of stuck. And I know that's not all the emotions of New Year's and New Year's resolutions, but I think it covers a lot of the spectrum. So if you come today hopeful and full of newness, that's great. And if you come stuck, that's okay. Because it's not really about New Year's resolutions. It's really about this idea of new beginnings. Now, if you were to go to the Bible... And wonder about new beginnings, where might you start? It's not a trick question. It's not Jesus. You'd probably start at the book that's actually called Beginnings, right? Genesis is this book of beginnings. See, my prayer is that as we 
go to these new beginnings that are so apparent in Genesis that we will actually see new beginnings in our lives, so much so that in a few moments we'll actually have the courage to share the new beginnings that God is doing in us with each other, that God would be honored through that. And, and so as you thought about where you've been and what you're grateful for, think about what God is doing in you right now, and maybe he's doing a new thing in you. So, let's look at this story of Genesis. It says that, in Genesis 1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and void, or formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to try and picture that. What does it mean that that the earth was formless and, and void, or formless and empty, and yet there was a darkness and a deep. And the Spirit of God was there. Can you picture the last new beginning you had? Maybe it was when school started, that was a new beginning for you, but maybe it was the start of your last current job. Remember, probably thinking about what you wore to that first day and how you wanted to leave early on that first day to make sure that you were there, and you wondered about how your coworkers would be, or if it was school, how those classmates would be. And when you got there, there was this flutter of nervousness, wasn't there? And it was probably good, but even if it wasn't good, it was full of possibilities, because that's what new beginnings are. I don't know if you see the possibilities in Genesis 1. See, mystery darkness, deep. What is that? But yet, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And then God said, his word was spoken, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. It's like that first day when you enter the school, and there's a new classmate, and someone that you don't know, and you're, all this nervousness is there, and all of a sudden this person's like, oh, I, I was, I've been here before, I'll take you around. Light in the darkness. Or that first day of work, and this person comes to you and says, oh, you want to watch out for the person over there in cube 17. It's light in the darkness. It's a new beginning. Does it happen more, or does it stop? See, at creation, it's so easy to see the new beginnings that happen every day of creation. First, there's day one where the word is spoken and light came, and then there's day two when it says that let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the water, and so God stretched this expanse across the sky so that future life could be in this in-between space from the sky above and the waters below. Does God still do that? God stretches a vault where future life will be held. At 39 weeks, does God still do that? Stretches an expanse to hold future life. Or is that just day two? Day three, God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And then God sa- and it was so, and then God said, let the land produce vegetation and let seed-bearing plants and animals and Sorry, let seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in that according to their kind, and it was so. And on day three, we see seeds of life being put somehow deep inside this dirt, but then later we'll see not just in the dirt, in the plants and in the fruit and in the trees 
and in the animals and us. Seeds of future life that would be embedded in the dirt and in the plants and in the animals and in us by God that would one day produce future life. Does God still do that? Or is that just day four and five and six? Because on day four, five, and six, God fills the sky with stars and then he fills the, the lower sky with birds and the waters with sea creatures and, and then the land with things that run and crawl and creep. I love that one. And then us, we're the pinnacle of that creation. It says that God said, let us create mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. God conceived and gave birth to humanity in his image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This genderful God, this 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 being that can create things in his own image. Does God still do that, or is that just in the past? And then God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, and by the seventh day God had finished the work that he had been doing, and so on the seventh day he rested from all his work And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had been doing. Do you see how many times rested comes in and created has come in? It's almost like God is exhausted, but does God get exhausted? I know I would be exhausted if I had to do all that work. I'm feeling exhausted from the Christmas season. But God doesn't get exhausted. The scriptures say that he never sleeps or slumbers. So I want to know what happened on day eight. Like, God was done, right? And, and so a lot of us feel like maybe the new beginnings are over. Maybe you're in a place today where you feel like there aren't new beginnings, where it's just more of the same. And it feels like a little piece of you might just be wasting away. And yet, there's this other part of you that's like, no, I think there's something in me. I think there's this seed. I think there might be future life. I, there has to be new beginnings. And that's where how we read the Bible matters incredibly, especially how we read the creation story because some of us read the creation story and, and even all of the Bible as, as history, as, as this thing of the past. Whether it was true or not, there's this story and, and we love it. You might like it. We readily acknowledge the amazing ways God has worked in the past. And maybe you're here and you can say that. And and we're going to start a series called Epic next week where we look at all the major stories of the Bible and how they really fit into this one giant epic story. But is it just the past? Because if it is, then, then we might only see the future part as the revelation at the very end of the Bible or maybe even just a few chapters of the revelation where there'll be a great battle and a new heaven and new earth where God will join those and create one city of gold with God's glory as the light that shines, which sounds really cool, but it's this far, far off thing for us. And so then if we just read from the past, then 
then the only thing to do is to study God's history and accept God's son, which is a huge new beginning. I don't want to minimize God's new beginning in Christ. And if you've accepted God, then you know that's an amazing beginning. But we often don't know what to do after that. And so it might feel like New Year's resolutions are the only new beginning we have. We've got this new beginning in Christ, and then what else? but I want to encourage you that that's not how I read the story. See, these new beginnings continue to happen over and over and over. And so then it's not about New Year's resolutions. It's about these new beginnings. And it means that we would see these stories in creation, day one and day two and day three. We would see these over and over in scripture if God was still doing new beginnings. If day eight didn't mean God was done, even though everything was as it should be, which is what that Hebrew word rest means, that everything was as it should be. So God didn't need to fix anything. That God was still doing new things. And if he's still doing new things, then he might be doing new things in us, and he might be doing new things today. And there might be all kinds of new beginnings that we could see. And that is exactly what I see when I read this. I see a new beginning that starts in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and then things kind of go to muck. And there's this darkness over the land. The world is so corrupt, and people are destroying each other that it says later in Genesis that God creates a giant darkness, and he puts waters over the earth. And in those moments, he's not destroying, he's actually saving. There's a light in the midst of that darkness. The light is Noah and the animals in the ark. And he brings forth new life and new beginnings from that moment. And then later, when all of the people of the world are gathered in one place, trying to make a name for themselves instead of a name to God in Babel, God scatters those people, and then he goes and hovers over the land, searching for someone that would follow him. And it's a new beginning. And he finds Abram and Sarai, and they're in Ur. And in Ur, guess who they worship? They worship moon gods. Moon, night, darkness. Are you getting it? And then out of that darkness, God calls to him. He brings a light to the darkness, and Abram follows him at 75 years old when he couldn't possibly conceive children. That wouldn't possibly be a new beginning. But he didn't have any kids, and then he did. He creates a new beginning in that moment with his son Isaac and with Sarah. His 65-year-old wife then becomes 90 and 100 when they actually have him, but it's a new beginning, and it starts again. We see next that God makes a new beginning with Isaac's son Jacob. When Jacob is in the middle of the night, in the middle of the darkness, wrestling with an angel of the Lord that is God, and at daybreak, light, he asks God to bless him. And God changes his name to Israel and gives him a new name. It's a new beginning. And then Jacob's son, who's now Israel, Israel's son, Joseph. Joseph gets put in a pit and in a prison in the dark. And God is with him. And then he saves him and brings him out into the light. And he saves not only all of God's people, but all of the world. This new beginning continues to happen over and over in in many generations later, when Moses is born, it's a time when this Pharaoh of Egypt doesn't know Joseph, doesn't remember the good things he's done, and what happens? He starts killing all the baby boys. It's not a good beginning, and Moses is born, and his mother keeps him hidden until she can't anymore, and what does she do? She puts him in a basket, which is in the Hebrew, an ark, and covers it 
in the darkness and puts it in the waters of the Nile. And a daughter of Pharaoh sees it and she opens it and there's light in the midst of the darkness and he has a new beginning when she draws him out of the water and takes him as her own son. This is not something that stopped in Genesis 1, friends. This is continuing to happen. What are the new things that God is doing in you? It didn't stop with Moses. It continued and it continued until we get to Jesus. And in Christ, there's this new beginning. John the baptizer, the last prophet, Jesus says, who says, look, there is the one that will take away the sin of the world. That's a new beginning. And then Jesus goes throughout his ministry. And in the midst of his ministry, he says in John 12 this, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, a seed, falls to the ground and dies, it will only remain a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. And what happens to Christ? He's crucified and he becomes this trampled seed that gets buried in the earth in a dark tomb. And on the third day, sprouts life. A life that doesn't just stop with his own but gets passed on to generations and people who see him and know him and call him Lord And that's what we see, these new beginnings that happen that can come out of any dirt at any time. Peter knows this. Simon Peter, who was following Jesus, went up to Jesus and he gave him a new beginning when he gave him a new name. I tell you, Simon, you won't be Simon, you'll be Peter. And then later, Peter, Simon Peter the fisherman, is told by Jesus that he has another new beginning. He's not going to fish for fish, he's going to fish for people. It's a new beginning. And then Peter denies Christ three times and on the shores of a beach in Galilee, Jesus comes to him. Peter, Simon Peter, this denier. And he cooks some fish and he gives him a new beginning. You will be Peter the rock. And Peter is one of the first of the church. Paul follows and Paul has his own new beginning when the light shines through the darkness and he's blinded and has to be led into the city and then the light shines again and he is healed. He's the one who says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's a new beginning. The old is gone and the new is here. See, anyone, Paul finds out, not just the good people, not just the people who love God a certain way or do the right things, anyone can be part of this new creation. Any seed, any new beginning can come from any dirt at any time. What is the new beginning that God is doing in you? It might be that he's bringing light out of the dark. It might be that he's creating an expanse that's holding future life that will bear your image. It might not even be a little kid. It might be this idea that you bring forth at work. It might be this idea, this this thumbprint that you are leaving on a group of students or a group of people that are a team and it has your likeness and it has God's likeness because you are in his image. What is the new beginning that God is doing in you? I'd like you to share stories of new beginnings. Krista's going to have a microphone. We'll just come to you as you stand in your spot. It doesn't have to be a long story and it doesn't have to be an amazing, miraculous story. You're like, I don't know if that's a new beginning. Go for it. Maybe it's just some way that God is working in you, but 
It might be this new beginning that all of a sudden God is honored and people are blessed because you had the courage to share it. So what is the new thing that God is doing in you? There's no minimum or maximum age here. We'll take about 10, maybe 15 minutes even before we have communion. And we'll honor God with the new beginnings he's doing that aren't up to our resolution. Okay, I'll try to be clear and concise. Um, <laughs> Rob has asked me a couple times, why haven't you shared? Um, I am a planner. <laughs> I like to know what's going to happen in my life, and I feel like I have a vision from God for what he wants me to do um, long term. I like to know every little detail along the way. If I'm one of those people that if I don't know every detail, I kind of start to panic and think life is going to fall apart. I tend to forget that God um, set this whole earth and universe and everything into motion and that he probably has it handled. He doesn't necessarily need my help, but I like to help. <laughs> so um, <laughs> a, little, a little bit of a backstory. Um, this last year, I have been learning to uh, let go and, and give my plan to God with an open hand because when we hold on with a closed hand, it hurts a heck of a lot more when he takes it away. Um, and so having an open hand has been so good and so hard. Um, I've learned that when we are uncomfortable, that's probably when growth is happening. And staying comfortable is not to our benefit as much as we like it. Um, sometimes in working towards God's plan, he's going to ask us to do things that seem outrageous and probably weird. Um, but if you re read the Bible, <laughs> the disciples did some strange things too. Um, some things that landed them in jail, which is not my goal. Um, but, <laughs> but who knows? So, uh, so if anybody has bail money, I'll, I'll look you up. Um, but um, a little over a year ago, God asked me to reach out to somebody that I considered uh, completely untouchable, I guess you could say. Somebody that was not in my world at all. Um, somebody who has two million followers on YouTube and God simply asked me to find a way to reach this person and tell him that he was loved. Um, over the last year we've developed a very strong friendship and um, just just over this last week um, I met his parents and um, my friend is a little bit flighty and so he's got a ton of stuff going on in his life. Um, but because I have trusted God and given him my plan for my future and for this friendship, um, <laughs> God has used it to use my overall vision of one day owning and opening um, my own eating disorder clinic that is Christ-based, um, also for mental illness and addictions of all types, but specifically eating disorders. Um, my friend's parents also came along and connected me with my friend's cousin who is struggling with an eating disorder and connected me with um, my, my friend's cousin's aunt, or my friend's aunt. Um, and so just to see how God has used me in this friendship and now into his family is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and so I've, I've gaining trust 
in this last year to also move forward this year I will be doing some some new beginnings with internships and figuring out where God wants me to work um, in the future because unbeknownst to me a year ago it's not Minnesota um, <laughs> and so I was like oh Colorado I have family there my nephews are there my niece who will be born in two to four weeks will be there and just recently God said no I'm asking you to give that up and that's been really really hard <laughs> so I don't know where I'm going but I know that God is going to be faithful and I know that with every step, he will reveal what needs to be revealed. And I'm learning that I don't need to see the whole picture right now um, because he'll show me what I need to know when I need to know it and give me strength for the time. So those are my Those are new beginnings, <laughs> definitely new beginnings. And sometimes a new beginning starts with an ending, even when it's not what we wanted. There's a lot of good, even in the midst of knows. Thanks for sharing. Hi, my name is Barb. Um, I have macular degeneration and I got it, oh, I don't know, maybe three years ago. And um, I sew and I do lots of things with my hands and it's kind of scary and I'm going like, what am I going to do when I'm old? You know, and um, God is kind of, um, I, I, I trust God, and he's good, and all things do work for good. And uh, as it progresses, although it's not progressing fast, which I'm very thankful for, um, I'm starting to actually let go of some things. I'm getting help from people and um, different things. And um, I've never been able to give get help. I've always liked to give it, as you were saying. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of difficult to let go of that. But uh, I feel like God is very faithful, and I don't know what the future holds for my eyes or what I'm going to do when I'm old, but um, I trust God. Thanks, Barb. That is a hard new beginning, but one that can have light in the midst of the darkness. Hi, I'm Danielle, and I get up here every once in a while and give you guys like an update of our family. <laughs> um, our story starts actually two years ago, this January, which this January I'm a little nervous for. <laughs> um, we went through uh, a major job loss, and then a car loss, and then almost the loss of our home and a couple of times every month <laughs> um, for many months. Um, we experienced many, many losses. This guy, of course, has not been affected at all. He sees life for what it is, a lot of fun, and a lot of great people have come into his life. Um, his story is very different from ours, but his story gives us hope. Um, my kind of new beginning um, happened this fall when I decided that I was getting really angry with God and fed up and tired of all of the bad things happening and why us and why every other week something was happening. Why did I get put in the hospital? Why did we get so close to so many dangerous things because of that? Um, I also, they found um, 
some things that they didn't like that they saw when I got put in the hospital, so I had to go through biopsies, which are all benign, so there's good there. Um, but last fall, I was determined to find God because I was feeling very alone, and so I decided to go in the woods because I see God in nature a lot. <laughs> the ironic part was that very day you encouraged people to go in the woods and find God, and I was like, see? That's what I'm supposed to do. And then I went in the woods and looking, determined to find God, my plan, like she. And then three snakes passed me. <laughs> they don't travel in herds. I don't know where three snakes come from within five feet of each other. And I don't like snakes. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> I came out here to find God and all I found was snakes. And the whole rest of the walk with my daughter on this beautiful, amazing day was filled with fears that the little chipmunks were actually coyotes coming to get me. <laughs> and I was complaining to a friend just a second, who looked at me and said, you know, Danielle, those three snakes didn't cross your path because Sean lost his job two years ago. And all of a sudden, my three snakes became this huge epiphany of change your attitude, Danielle. <laughs> all you see in this beautiful world is all those awful snakes. You don't see the trees. You don't see the colors. You don't see the actually kind of cute little chipmunks. You don't see the sun that's shining all over that water, making it sparkle. You don't see the wonderful joy in your little kid as she's hopping all over the place looking for more rocks that you have to find room for in your house. <laughs> and all of a sudden I realized that all I saw was what I chose to see. And I wasn't choosing to see where God was showing up. So my new beginning is coming from looking everywhere for him. And Anthony's dying for me to tell you <laughs> that in his little life, he just started to go watch football games and he just high-fived people after the game and then this year he became a part of the team and he was awarded in a letter from his football coach and yesterday <laughs> yep, and they gave him shoulder pads too which you have all seen I love by the way that we go to a church where my son wears shoulder pads and no one is surprised <laughs> Um, and then yesterday, the team got together, some of the players, and a fire station, and they, they bought him this. <laughs> so, my husband and I were kind of kidding. We were going to have to take out a GoFundMe page for this thing, but um, they took care of it. So, I will say that he is an example in the way that this kid doesn't look for anything but joy. He doesn't look for anything but fun. And he doesn't see anything bad. He doesn't see that we were struggling. He just sees that today we get to go to the park cause, and we get to go to the library because that's what we can afford. And he just sees everything as fun. So he's, he's an inspiration to us. And God works in his life more than I've ever could have imagined as his mom. So we feel pretty blessed. And we don't mind the snakes so much because there's still sunshine. All kinds of new life in the midst of that new beginning. Thanks, Danielle. One or two more. Hi, I'm Brian. And um, 
about a year ago, I started looking for a job in, uh, in, in youth ministry because I knew that the internship I had at Wooddale, the other church that I've been a part of that most of you know of, um, it was going to end when I finished seminary last spring. And so I started searching, and I got kind of, I got kind of bent out of shape about being at church, um, I think because part of the large machine that Wooddale is. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go for a nonprofit. I'm not going to be inside of a church. I want to be working outside of the church because I also want to reach people who didn't go to church because I didn't go to church. I feel like I've said church a lot in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> so um, I, was, I started interviewing with Young Life and talking with people there. The regional director here who's in charge of Minnesota and the Dakotas was recruiting me and he's like yeah you man you are you have the x factor and, and all this other stuff and and then uh i go through the you know a few months after that i'm like okay i'm gonna apply for a, a job over in egan that they have open that they've been telling me to do and then he goes on sabbatical and then the team says no not only do we not want you for this position we don't think you belong anywhere in this region in young life and i'm like what so I kind of shifted gears, and I, you know, that was right before I went on a trip uh, to Colorado with um, 99th graders from my from Wooddale, and so I just tried to put it aside and spend that two weeks with the kids and trust that God was going to have something. And I came back and I started looking for churches, and you know, I had at first things seemed to start going really well, and then just shut door after shut door after shut door. So I took this last month um, to I tried fasting for the first time, and I careful of saying that because I don't want to be like somber like the hypocrites and you know walk around like oh look at me but it was something I I was told about actually um, by somebody here and um, it, it was it was Michael and we talked about it for a while and, and you know I didn't like to like a long super one I just tried to do it make it till dinner which for me is really hard um, <laughs> all right it's it's hard to not eat all day when you like to eat and uh and it's, you know, I, I still, I was, you know, all right, what am I supposed to learn? All right, God, I've been searching for a year. Maybe there's something you want me to learn. And um, the only real thing that I know I've learned in this month, and I just did it once a week, where I would just try and make it to dinner without eating. Um, and I, I did. I, d I made it to where I said I would. I just kind of pushed it farther and farther back each day that I tried it. Um, all I, I, I've learned that, you know, just being obedient to God and looking to what he might do and that I might not see it right now. Um, but most of us have times where we haven't seen God working when we're trying to see, like when we're in the middle of something and like, okay, God, where are you? And you're looking and you just kind of feel like, okay, so I'm just kind of going through this by myself. And, but I know that I'll look back maybe hopefully in not too long of a time, but whenever it is, I look back, I'll be able to see where God was. Um, so this has just been a reminder to, maybe be able to allow God to do what he's doing to be obedient. And um, I also, speaking of obedience, don't really love authority. Not really my thing. Um, so I've kind of, a, a verse from First Peter jumped out, and I don't remember which one it is, so I'm not going to quote it precisely. But it had something to do with, you know, church authorities and, and all authorities kind of being a little bit more, willing to remember that God has allowed them to have that authority and to maybe listen to them a little bit instead of just saying, oh, well, I, I know better because I'm obviously the smartest guy I know. So, you know, I'm going to tell you guys how this should be done. And I obviously have the most experience having spent all of 
five years in the church, I obviously know the best way to do everything. So it's been a lot of time for me to just step back and remember who is in control. And I don't know where the new beginning is going to take me. I'm just trying to be ready for it. Brian, it sounds like the Spirit of God is hovering over the darkness right now that is a not a new beginning, but even in the midst of that, it's a new beginning. Thank you for sharing, everyone.